All right. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll listen to God's word together. I see that everybody today, this morning, seemed to be in a solemn mood. Let's keep it there. Let's keep it there. It's not bad at all. So keep it there. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these precious brothers and sisters. I'm not sure exactly how their week might have gone, but I pray that right here at this time, God, the Holy Spirit, there will be an outpouring, even in the silent, solemn moment, in the quietness and the pondering of people's hearts, in the midst of their tiredness and frustrations and weariness. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to them only in ways that only your Holy Spirit can. And so, Sovereign Lord, I pray that, Lord, the quietness will not be sadness. pray that it will be deep thought and praise and worship and standing in awe of Jesus. I pray that our faith in him will be strengthened, that we will be determined by his grace to believe and to obey the gospel of Jesus. And so, Father, minister to us as you've been doing from the very beginning of this service. Minister to us, speak to us. May we not return the same. Father, fix minds, not on me, but on Jesus, as we listen to the word of God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Acts chapter 3. And thanks, Jenny, for uh, reading so well for us. So in Acts chapter 3, we are about to hear the second sermon Peter preached in Acts. You know he had preached the first one in Acts 2. I'm not sure whether he actually planned for it, but the Holy Spirit planned for it. So the Holy Spirit had been poured, the outpouring of the Spirit on God's people when they had gathered. And then they sort of were minding their own business but the crowd comes around, and the crowd is bewildered. They are confused. What is this? And then Peter says, let me give you an explanation of this. And then he preaches that great sermon. And then he explains Pentecost to them. The second one is very similar. There was an occasion, something has happened. The crowd is wondering what this is. There has been a healing, a supernatural healing of a lame man, a man who could not walk from birth. It's not like he was walking at some point, something had happened, and then somehow uh, the man is now able to walk. So let's not give a miraculous explanation to this. This is a supernatural healing. The man had been healed in the name of Jesus. The, people's, the people react. They are surprised. Something has happened. What is this? And so again, Peter in response gives an explanation to what has just happened. How did it come about? The two brothers, Peter and John, these are Jewish Christians. And you know that on the Jewish calendar, they would normally go at certain times of the day to go and pray in the temple. So it was one of such days, they had this time at 3 p.m. So at 3 p.m., about 3 p.m., they were heading into the temple. 
And they were heading into the temple from the east side of the temple, okay, where the gate called Beautiful is. You know, the gate called Beautiful. It had this huge door. They said that it was about seven feet. Anyway, so they were there, and then there was this lame man. Apparently, that is his business spot. His friends or family will carry him, bring him there, so that as people entered the temple, thinking that maybe, this the text doesn't say, but maybe the people also thought that, let me do good, so that whatever blessing I'm going to seek in there will come. I don't know, but most likely. He would also ask them for arms, for money, for gifts, and then they will give it. So, Pete and John, they get there. Peter and John, these two brothers, maybe on the way they were just chatting and uh, recounting what had happened, the sermon he had preached, and all that is beginning to happen in the church and what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst them. And then the layman sees them and says, well, maybe I'll get something from these two gentlemen. And so he asks them for money. And then I'm going to tell you what happened afterwards. But what have, whatever happened, Peter is going to explain and he's coming to a certain conclusion. The conclusion will surprise us because this is a healing that had taken place. What is Peter's conclusion? What does he say? He says that, now, now cut the surprise with me. It surprised me. Because when healing takes place, I want to make much of it. Assuming there is healing, and I pray that there will be healing that takes place among the Lord's people. May the Lord touch us. We need his touch in the name of Jesus. But assuming that had happened in our midst, and we want to make much of it. That is the deal. And Peter takes that and says, let me even point you to something bigger. This is an indication of something much bigger and much Glorious. And here is it. He concludes that this healing has taken place because Jesus is the Messiah. Number two, this healing has taken place to explain to you because Jesus was killed by our sin. Oh, this is an indication that God had raised him from the dead. And then this is an indication that he comes. He comes to all who have faith in him. And what will happen? Look at verse 19. When he comes, when you encounter him, there is forgiveness of sin. When you encounter him, verse 19 again, the, the ESV puts it in verse 20. But verse 19 again, if you're using the NIV, there will be times of refreshing if you encounter Jesus truly. Again, you will have Jesus. He will come to you, verse 20. Jesus, the king, will come to you. And not only that in this life, we look forward if you encounter him. That is what is taking place. He will restore all things. And he will restore his people, verse 21. And then verse 25 and 26. This is only an indication that the Lord God wants to bless his people, and he blesses his people. Verse 25 and verse 26. Let me read that one. He says to the people of Israel, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenants God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. 
When God raised up his servants, he sent him first to you, first to you, to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. How did he bless you? By turning each of you from your wicked ways. Thank God that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. Jews first, but it doesn't end there, but also to the Gentiles. Thank God this applies to us also, the Gentiles. Anytime a physical healing takes place, brothers and sisters, it is an indication of something. Have you realized that when people are healed physically, they are healed physically, a time will come where they grow old in this life and they die. The physical healing, as much as we pray for that, is not the end of the matter. It is an indication. It's a, it's a glimpse of what is in store for us in Jesus. So as we rejoice that I'm able to walk, I look forward to the time where healing is complete, body and soul, as we walk in the new creation. And Peter is doing that here as he explains it. So let me point out a number of things that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to focus. There is so much this passage can present to us, but let me focus us on a few. Number one. God knows what we truly need, and he gives it. God knows what we truly need, and he gives it. Look at verse 3. When he saw the lame man, Peter and John, about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, for many disabled people who line up the streets of Accra, they, they beg you for what? For money. Sometimes when you even give them water or maybe some bread, they're not really interested in that. We're begging you for money. Money is what they believe they need because, well, we can't earn our own money. So we need money to be able to sort our lives out. So give us money. Hence, they ask people for money. Money is what they need, what they believe they need. But that is not just true of the disabled people who are lining up the streets of Accra. It is a reflection of human nature. We believe we know what we need for life. We believe it. They are only expressing it in some ways. We think we know what we need. Believers and non-believers alike. Sometimes we are all caught up in the, in the same thing. We believe we know what we need. The, the lame man believed he knew what he needed. Money, silver, gold. Is there something that I need in my life right now to change my life forever? Peter and John answered, answered that question. They said, yes, there is something that you need. It is more than silver. It is more than gold. Verse 4 to verse 6. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, you should, you should have goose pimples when you read this. Look at us. I don't know what he meant by look at us. Maybe look at us. We look like mere fishermen. Oh, no, maybe not. Maybe look at us, whatever that meant. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have 
I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And by faith, not from the lame man. He doesn't even know what is going on. Faith that Peter and John exercise in the name of Jesus. And when you hear the name of Jesus in the Old Testament, name stands for your totality of your character, of who you are. And the African tradition has something similar. When you are named, usually you are named to depict something about you. When you hear chiefs take on certain titles, the idea is that you get an understanding of who they are. And so when you see in the name of Jesus, they are invoking, the, to use that expression, the very Jesus, his presence. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And what happens? Seven to eight. And then Peter lovingly grabs this man's hand. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. If you are not surprised by this, I am surprised to the point of having goose pimples right now. Because the man hasn't walked from birth. This is what Jesus has done. And so by this healing, the crowd comes around. They, they want to understand. We know the man. We recognize him. What on earth is going on here? What is going on here? We are surprised. And so they, 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 they come out through the beautiful gate and they come to what is called the Solomon's Portico. It is like um, there is a space under with pillars, but there is a roof on top. So the people had gathered there asking the question, what is this? What should we do with this? And Peter says, men of Israel, women of Israel, people of Israel, listen. This healing is going to tell you about someone and it's going to tell you about something. So when you think of the healing of the man who was lame from birth, think of someone and think of something. Verse 13 to 16. Let me read a story for you. Listen, listen to how he's going about it. Healing has taken place and then he takes it. This healing, how does Peter begin? He says, why are you staring at us as though we ourselves in and of ourselves have done something? It is not by our power or by our own righteousness that we have done something for this man to walk. So let me tell you, and then he goes to the Old Testament and he says, the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you follow what he's doing? He takes the healing and then he talks about Jesus. Has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go. You disowned and then he talks about Jesus again. But this time with an Old Testament description. Holy, the holy and righteous one. It's a description you give to only God. And ask that a murderer, Barabbas, be released to you. You killed the author of life. 
Now, follow these descriptions that he's given him. You killed the altar of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. In Jesus' name, and the faith that comes through him, that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So he's saying that as you look at this man, think of the Lord Jesus. Think of him as the righteous one. Think of him as the Messiah. Think of him as the one who can give life. If you think this is surprising, if you think making a man's limbs strong is surprising, wait a minute, he gives life. Life itself. He raises from the dead. Verse 13, Jesus is God's servant. And when he uses the idea of servant, he's talking about the Old Testament, the promise. You know, Isaiah's um, um, prophecy, at least if you go to uh, Isaiah 53, the servant of the Lord who gives his life. Verse 14, he is the holy and righteous one, the very author of life. He can change everything. So what you see about this healing is because Jesus is God's servant who is here to serve God's purposes in the world, to make all things new. Jesus is that one. He is that one. If you think this is surprising, you ain't seen anything yet. And Peter is saying, by his death, why is there a new era has ushered in? Anytime throughout the scriptures, and when you have time, some of you are reading through the Bible this year, that's well and good. Look out for this. When there are momentous occasions and God is making a big statement, there are very unusual, miraculous things that happen. It happened in the case of Moses. It, crazy things dropping his, and then picking the staff, and things were happening, dividing the Red Sea. God's presence is with his people. And then you can see that with Elijah. You can see that with Elisha. And then it carries on and carries on and carries on. And then there was dead silence. Nothing was happening. What they call intertestamental period. And Jesus appears, and he begins to do these miraculous signs. And then he ascended into heaven and he says to them, a new community, the community of the spirit has been ushered, a new era has begun. And we see with these apostles, crazy things happening. God is in the midst of his people. Listen to Isaiah. Let me read one of them. Isaiah 50, 35, verse 1 to 6 directly related to this lame man and the way the lame man behaves. He jumps and he walks and he praises God. The desert and the patched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen feeble hands. Stand by knees that give way. Say to those who uh, with fearful heart, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. 
He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the meat tongue shout for joy. Prophecy being fulfilled. A new era is necessary. But there is something that is surprising about why this new era is necessary. Why God has to break in and do that which, humanly speaking, we cannot do. The reason is that the world is not the same. Now, my friends, any of us here and those of us listening online, everybody, whether or not they are Christians, can testify that there is something wrong with this world. There is something wrong with the world. The world is not as it should be. Something is wrong. But you know why something is wrong? Peter tells them. He tells them why God has to break in in this way. Verse 13. The problem is us. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. God has to intervene because what we see, the brokenness that we see, and every sickness reminds us of that brokenness. Every lame, every mute, every death reminds us of that brokenness. God has to intervene. That is what we have done. We have done it. You are responsible. I am responsible. We have done it. God, break in. We've gone against God. We like Jesus so long as he is the kind and gentle one that we can give to in order to persuade and make him do good things for us. We don't like if, it's, if, if, if God will determine what is right and what is wrong for us. He must not be Lord over us. Our attitude towards Jesus has made this world sick. Brothers and sisters, Every physical ailment that you see is an indication that the world is not as it should be. God has to break in. God has to come in and behold, God has come in. There is good news. God has come in through the description Peter gives him. Through this altar of life, God is blessing his people. God is blessing his people. Verse 19. Through repentance, we can receive forgiveness of sin, of our rebellion. Our sin, Peter says, you will receive a wiped out. A wiped out is not it's a swept under the carpet. A wiped out is that it has been placed on someone. Someone has to take responsibility. Nothing will go unpunished before God. If you are here and you are not a Christian, you're not trusting in Jesus as Lord, as Savior. You continue to bear your own weight of sin. And if you do not repent now, you will bear it in eternity. You will bear it in hell. And God doesn't want you to. And that is why Jesus died. That the physical healing, as, as, as much as we pray for that, is an indication of this. Don't bear it. Don't bear 
your own sin. Don't cover your sin with church. Don't even cover your sin with ministry. Repent. Turn to God and ask him for forgiveness of your sin. You receive the very author of life. And then we are told that the good news is that God has offered times of refreshing. Has any of you been thirsty before? Thirsty land. I'm always thirsty. I'm not sure why. Tired. Worn out. And then you visit someone in an air-conditioned office and they say to you, take a seat. Let me give you something to drink. And hopefully they give you water and something else. And a pie or biscuit. And it's not a hard chair. It's sofa. Soft. And you sit on it. And it feels right. It feels good. It's only a tiny glimpse of the refreshing the Lord gives. When you are in Jesus and when you come to Jesus... He refreshes you and the refreshment runs into all eternity. Do we suffer? Yes. Do we sometimes fall sick? Yes. Do we struggle like all other people? Yes. But ours is the promise of refreshing. And so we can constantly come to him and say, I am tired and worn out and frustrated. Would you please refresh me? Since I have the author of life. If you are not a Christian, let me point out to you, nothing on earth will refresh you. No amount of money, no amount of achievement, no amount of nothing, nothing, nothing will refresh you except the very author of life, Jesus. Turn to him. You will know what it means for your soul to be refreshed. The best we can do for ourselves sometimes is to refresh us physically. But that is only very temporal. I am talking about, from the word of God, refreshment that runs into all eternity. And here is the other thing. When you are in Jesus or you come to Jesus, verse 20, he gives you himself. Jesus, the Messiah, he gives you himself. And then you will ask the question, how is it that we still face difficulties today? Even as Christians. Yeah, let's not be negative. Every now and then, God, the Holy Spirit, is dropping. You know when you go to a wedding or something and they drop this sparkling thing? The Holy Spirit draws, drops sparks of these things that I'm talking about in our midst. When somebody gives birth, when somebody was sick and the Lord raises them from the dead, uh, heals them. <laughs> When somebody was lame and the person walked, we're having glimpses of that. When you experience some refreshment and some quietness of soul, you're having glimpses of that. When somebody dies, then you are reminded that we are not there yet. And so look at the promise in verse 21. He will return to restore all things. Having the altar of life is a complete full package. For the, for the past, for the present, and for the future. How should we live? Let me finish. How should we live in the light of this? If all these things Peter is telling us, these amazing things, 
as to how should you and I walk through this door, live in the light of this. He's saying to us, listen and obey everything Jesus tells you. That's all. Ah, I know you are surprised. This is not very exciting. You were expecting me to say something. Verse 22. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Just listen to everything he tells you and obey him. Verse 23. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. So what does it mean for us as we grapple with life? And I know a lot of us will be going to the world of work and we're going to grapple with all myriads of things and life. Oh, this is what he's saying to us, the author of life, the holy and righteous one, the Messiah, your king. He says that just listen to me. Listen to me as you carry on. Seek my honor in all things. Follow me in all things. Listen to me. Trust me. Put your faith in me. I am restoring all things. I will give you refreshment. I will heal where there is a need for it. I will be with you. Just listen to me. Just stay with me. Sometimes I'm walking, and I say this to finish off, I'm walking with my, one of my kids or all of them in a place that they are not sure of where we are. Sometimes I'm not sure where we are, but I've got to be sure where we are because I'm the parent or pretend to be sure where we are. So we are walking, and the child is anxious, trying to ask so many questions, and I say to the child, just stay with me. Just stay with me. Just listen to what I tell you. Stay with me. Don't go ahead. Don't fall behind. Just stay with me. In all these things, Jesus says, all that you have heard about me, if it is true and you believe, just listen to me. Just stay by me. I'm not going to give you anything complicated. Learn to trust me. Stay here. And you will experience the power in his name. Let me pray. Father, we pray that times of refreshing will fall on us. That we will begin to experience what it means for God to dwell among his people. Father, I pray for these brothers and sisters. We desire physical intervention in people's lives. I can think of brothers and sisters who are unwell who have battled with particular health issues, Lord, for so long. I beg you for healing. I beg you for your touch. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I also pray that in the midst of all these things, lift up our eyes to see the bigger picture. That whether by life or by death, we will know that we have the altar of life. Our hope is intact. And so, Father, keep us trusting, following, whatever happens, in Jesus' name.